The following podcast is a Dear Media production. This is Being Bumo, a podcast for the modern parent that wants to be the best version of themselves while being the best parents they can be for their kids. We'll be spotlighting parents and experts who are not only inspiring, but also willing to share with us how it really is. Because as we all know, parenting can be equally as rewarding as it is challenging. We're here to make your life easier, a little less stressful, and help you navigate through this complex thing called parenting. Welcome back to another episode of Being Bumo. I am so excited for you to hear my chat with our guest today, Dr. Robin Burzen. She's a functional medicine physician and the CEO and founder of Parsley Health. Her mission is to make functional medicine affordable and modern so more people can access it. We talk about how millions of women have been misdiagnosed with infertility and why very few doctors are doing the right test to figure out what is actually happening. We also go deep into the topic of why so many women miscarry and what we can do about it. She is truly inspiring and empowering, and I can't wait for you guys to listen to this episode. All right, without further ado, here's our conversation. Okay, Dr. Berzine, um, I am so excited to have you because I have a million questions for you. So thank you so much for doing this. I know how crazy of a time it is. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so thrilled. So we are going to start off with a little icebreaker. Nothing too scary, but I always like to start something with a bit, something more casual. So my question to you is if you had one free day, which I'm sure you're dying to have right now because you are so incredibly busy, um, no kids, no work, no obligations, what would you do for the full day? Oh my gosh. You're like speaking my language right now. I literally (laughs) was just online looking at like places at the beach and being like, can I get on a plane? Could it be possible? (laughs) Um, I'd spend, I'd spend a day on the beach in the sand, in the sun. That is like my happy place. And living in New York city, I definitely don't get enough of that. That would be mine for sure. Well, we're going to have to get you on this side of town then to California. I know. I know. (laughs) LA is calling for sure. (laughs) So you are a mother, a wife, a physician, founder and CEO of Parsley Health, which we'll get into. I mean, that's a lot. Um, How does a typical day look like for you on a high kind of scale, I guess you can say? Yeah. You know, it's, it's always, it's always busy. There's never a dull moment. People always say, you know, being an entrepreneur or a CEO or a founder is lonely. And I literally always laugh out loud when people say that because I'm like, I'm literally never alone. I would love to be alone. <laughs> being alone for a day on this beach that you talk about sounds really great to me. But, you know, get up in the morning and the first things are kids. Obviously, I have a th- almost four-year-old. He's getting there um, and a nine-month-old. And so it's getting the babes up, getting them ready, getting them fed. Then it's the dog walk. I am the morning dog walker. Uh, my husband takes the evenings. And that's actually kind of a nice little break because uh, I get outside and I get to walk and uh, get to look at the East River because I live in Brooklyn. And so that all of that is actually, even though it's work and it's something else to do, it's a good thing. And then it's getting my son off to school. And then, you know, these days it's like power Zoom calls all day, pretty much just one right. after the other. You know, we all know how that goes. Um, I consider it a huge privilege to be able to work from home because not everybody is able to do that. 
And I think it's great, but there's some, you know, chaos to that too. If I'm working from home and my son's coming home from preschool and screaming mommy and I'm on like, you know, important call. Um, (laughs) But that's, that's kind of the days right now. Uh, And then, you know, evenings are cooking dinner with the fam. Sometimes if I'm home in New York City and, you know, right now restaurants are still open outside and that's been really nice starting to feel like, you know, an adult again. Um, That's been good. Every day is literally jam-packed for sure. I mean, I can only imagine. It's, I feel like given the situation that we're in with the pandemic, it's a, it's heightened kind of our busyness because now everyone's at home. You know, I don't know if you're still working from home, but a lot of people are. And during these, these times, you're just trying to figure out how you could jam pack as much as you can in 24 hours. So props to you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we all feel this way. I think I think working parents deserve a medal right now because if you're working from home and you're trying to homeschool kids or doing video school, if you are seeing lapses in your childcare, um, a lot of women are leaving the workforce because of that, which is really sad to me. Um, we have people who are essential workers and have to go out and about and then are worried about their kids at home. So I just feel like this year has put pressures on working parents, um, you know, with young or school age kids, just in a level that it was already a lot. And this is, this is just, I mean, I think it's, I think it's too much. I think it's too much for a lot of us. Yeah, I agree. I mean, can you tell us a little bit more about why you started Parsley Health? I know that you've talked about, I've kind of researched and looked into your past interviews. You talk about healthcare being broken. What do you mean by that? And how did that inspire you to start Parsley Health? Yeah, you know, it's healthcare is like a big, big, big term, right? Big word and big industry. And so there's really so many ways in which it can improve. It is a massive amount of what our our country spends our money. And yet we don't do a very good job at spending it wisely. Um, And we live in a world today where, you know, 90% of our healthcare costs today are from chronic lifestyle-driven diseases. These are things like heart disease and diabetes and uh, Alzheimer's disease. It's things like high blood pressure, high blood sugar. It's things like depression and anxiety, hormone imbalances, autoimmune conditions, which affect at least 50 million people and gastrointestinal issues. And all of these things are interconnected and oftentimes they are either caused by the way that we live and eat and move or they're worsened by those things. And in my medical training, you know, I trained at great places, Columbia and Mount Sinai. I really loved my training in New York, but I felt like there was this sort of missing the forest for the trees type of thing happening all the time where it felt like we were so hyper-focused on you know, managing somebody's high blood pressure with medications and adding like two, three, four, five medications. And yet the reason that the person's blood pressure was getting worse and worse was because of what they were eating. And I was sort of like, well, why are we not talking about that? I see. And so that felt to me like an opportunity and also a calling to change how we practice medicine. And that is how Parsley was born, right? That's how Parsley was born. Exactly. Just a crazy idea. Hairbrain scheme. Here we are. And how long? Five years later. Oh, five years. Oh, wow. (laughs) Almost, almost five years later. Yeah, it'll be, I think we're celebrating our fifth birthday this coming February, which is mind blowing for me um, to be on this journey for all this time. I mean, it feels like sometimes, because I also have a startup, sometimes it feels like 500 years versus five years, right? (laughs) (laughs) 
100%. It feels like just yesterday and 500 years, which I also feel like is like the theme of 2020. It's like just yesterday and it's been 500 years long. So now, exactly. now, now everyone knows what part of life is like. <laughs> <laughs> just go through a pandemic, basically. Yeah, basically just like one crazy thing after another, but you know. You know those things you are too embarrassed to talk about when it comes to dating? Like when to say I love you, how to define the relationship. Well, We Met at Acme touches upon all of those subjects and more, and we get right into it with our guests and talk about their dating lives and also what not to do when it comes to dating because we're all kind of confused together. So you can tune in every Sunday to We Met at Acme and maybe you can learn a thing or two while I learn a thing or two. So you talk about keeping your pregnancy a secret. I heard about that. Why did you choose to do so? I mean, you have a platform where you could share about your journey and kind of what you've gone through. Why did you decide to keep it a secret? You know, in the early days of my first pregnancy, trying to think back which which time. Um, oh, yes, I was fundraising. Um, somehow I was fundraising again in the early days of my second pregnancy. Um, I sort of always managed to do this to myself, but, um, you know, in the, in the early days before I was showing, I just, I had two reasons for not talking about it. Um, one, I was worried that investors would say, you know, would not invest in me period. Right. Like we, we treat pregnancy as this disease state in this country to some degree. Um, and it's this natural, wonderful thing. And there's a lot of unconscious bias and assumptions that get made around women who are having kids and their ability to lead and their ability to stick with it. And all of those things are not necessarily true, but are, are not true, but I didn't want to risk it. It was my first time raising money for my own company. And so I didn't want to bring it up. And now, of course, obviously, eventually you can't hide it anymore. <laughs> so, um, you know, cat's kind of out of the bag. Uh, and it's not because I thought that the people I was talking to who would invest in the company were, you know, bad people or mean people or anything like that. But the real reality, as we all know, is we all grow up with unconscious bias in our lives. And uh, the vast majority of investors are men and the vast minority of companies that get funded and founders that get funded are women. That's actually been reduced even further in COVID and in the pandemic. I just saw some stats recently that less money went to women this past two quarters, like again, than back even a couple of years ago. So we actually lost ground. Uh, I think women are losing ground in a lot of levels during all of this. And, you know, I, I look forward to a world where it's irrelevant that you're pregnant. Like, I just don't think it's something that you should have to talk about unless, you know, for some reason you feel you are going to be maybe taking a significant time period away from your company, maybe more than a normal maternity leave. I mean, listen, everybody has a different way of handling pregnancy and childbirth and what they want to do with their kids. And if you are a founder and you are going to take other people's money to build your dream, you do have a duty as the founder and CEO to be transparent around when you're going to be there and when you're not going to be. You shouldn't hide that or lie or anything. But I also look forward to the day when um, simply being pregnant or having a child isn't considered potentially a liability for the company that you're starting. And I think the more we get to more women investors and more women being founders and CEOs, I think that will slowly change. But I think that bias runs pretty deep. Yeah, I agree with you 1,000%. Uh, my co-founder and I, we went through 
our funding phase as well a few months ago, uh, our mm, seed. Congrats. And we, thank you. And we went through some incredibly biased conversations. Sometimes we looked at each other, each other and we're like, wow, are we actually having this conversation? And you hear about them through the media, but you don't really realize that they still exist until you're sitting there and someone <laughs> is looking at you being like, so how are you going to run this company? And you're like, um, well, I'm going to do it with my co-founder and we're both moms and we both have two kids. And so I think it's just men in general, maybe it's hard for them to understand how much we could actually take on and how much, how capable women are, because I don't know. I mean, it sounds crazy, but we're way more capable than, I mean, sorry to any men that are listening to this because it is a parenting podcast, but women (laughs) can do so much. Right. Um, and you know, there's that one saying you want something done, give it to a busy woman, yet alone a busy mom. Right. And they'll get, get it done. So, so I true. agree with you 1000%. So moving on to infertility, that's something that I want to talk to you about just because I know that is something that you feel very strongly about. And I was reading upon kind of your outlook on infertility because, and I found it very interesting because I cannot even tell you the amount of friends that I have that are having a hard time conceiving um, within this past few years, I feel like it's just become more and more common. And so that's the question that we all ask ourselves. Is it genetics? Is it something that, you know, that we're doing wrong? But then the more I looked into what you're saying is that it actually can, not everyone has to go through IVF, right? And so can you talk a little bit more about that? I found it very interesting. Yeah. You know, I'm, a big proponent of natural fertility support. And it's not because I think there's anything wrong with IVF or IUI. I think these services are amazing and we're so lucky that they exist in the world, um, giving lots of women um, and families uh, opportunities to have children uh, later in life or um, who just wouldn't ever be able to have had children. So I'm very grateful for those services. You know, but however, I I see a lot of women sort of go zero to IVF and they have a little bit of hard time getting pregnant and no one asks why and no one does deeper testing. Their GYN sort of says the stock answer, well, you've been trying for six months or whatever, go get a fertility specialist consult. And as soon as you get there, well, you know, no, no shade on them, but what are they incentivized to do? They're incentivized to do procedures because that's how they make their money. And so I just see a lot of women sort of not, pass go or really take a beat and say, Hey, like what's going on in my body? Because maybe the fact that I'm having a hard time getting pregnant is a sign of something going on with me. And there's a few things that get missed all the time. You know, the number one cause for impaired fertility or infertility is advanced maternal age, meaning we're waiting longer to have kids than our bodies evolutionarily were perhaps designed to do. Um, And that's okay, but that's just the facts. It's not a, oh, you shouldn't have gotten pregnant sooner. It's just here you are and your body's, you know, you're older and you have fewer eggs left and egg quality is less when you're older. This is just a biological fact. And so it's harder, right? But beyond age, the number one cause of impaired fertility is polycystic ovarian syndrome today in this country, which is a disorder where um, usually metabolism and blood sugar issues are what's leading to imbalances in hormones. When your blood sugar goes up, 
your insulin goes up, which is the hormone that controls your blood sugar. And when your insulin goes up, a little bio 101 here, it actually increases your testosterone, which is why people who have um, PCOS um, often have acne and sometimes facial hair growth. And then what a lot of people don't know is your estrogens a lot of times come, a lot of your estrogens are metabolized from your testosterone. So testosterone is becoming estrogen. So when you have persistently high blood sugar and hundreds of millions of people in our country have either diabetes or pre-diabetes or metabolic syndrome, so impaired blood sugar, that means many, many women have a blood sugar issue and a lot of them don't know it because 70% of people today don't have a primary care doctor. And so when you have these blood sugar issues, they can lead to PCOS or just even if you don't have PCOS sort of fully, it can be disturbances in your hormones and your cycle. And so you see a lot of people with absent periods or missing periods. That is just one big category of things that I see missed. And the sad thing for me is that a lot of times uh, that's reversible. You can fix it through diet and supplements and exercise basically. Um, And I have a patient she came to me, she had PCOS, she had her cycle very erratically. Um, she also had low thyroid function. She actually already knew that coming in to see me. Her thyroid was poorly managed. She was on like the wrong dose of thyroid medication, but she also had these blood sugar issues that were driving her PCOS and we changed her diet. We also used some supplements. We also gave her some progesterone support. So it's all about using the best of medications and supplements and food all together on the same prescription pad. That's what we do at Parsley. And we were able to help her regulate her cycle and she's gotten pregnant naturally twice. Um, And she had been told by her GYN she would never get pregnant without IVF. And we have countless stories like this. Women who'd had frequent miscarriages who hadn't been tested for certain really basic genetics where if you support them with the right kind of prenatal, a methylated prenatal, they are less likely to miscarry. People who have underlying thyroid issues, autoimmune issues, super high stress levels that are leading to dysfunctional you know, menstrual cycles. There's all sorts of stuff. Um, there's more. And so what we do at Parsley is we kind of dig into all that stuff. And so sometimes women will come to me and they'll be like, I'm having trouble getting pregnant. And maybe they're already on their fertility journey with um, IUI or IVF or something, or maybe they're not. And I often tell them if they can, if it's if it's appropriate for them, and they're in a, a spot timing wise where it's it's cool to wait. Often the first thing I st- tell them is stop trying to get pregnant. And they're so stressed and they're so freaked out and they're contemplating this like tens of thousands of dollars of procedure. And sometimes today companies cover this, but only to a degree. And it's still a lot of medications. It's a lot of stress. It's a whole journey to go through IVF. And so, and the failure rate is pretty high, right? And so I'll say, let's just stop if we can. It's not always the thing we can do, but let's just stop for a beat. Just take a beat. Take. I usually try to say, let's take three months, 90 days in the grand scheme of things, like not going to make or break anything for for most people, not always, but for most people. And let's figure out what's going on with you. Let's do testing. Let's clean up your mental health. Not clean up your mental health, but like address mental health and and stress levels and anxiety and how some of these things are impacting you um, and help support you there. Let's do the testing. Let's address your lifestyle and nutrition. Let's see if anything was missed. And again, countless times now, we have hundreds of these case studies we're able to help that woman go on to have a healthy, natural pregnancy. And listen, where she's not, where she ends up doing IUI or IVF, again, super supportive of that journey too. She's knows her body better. 
She's taking care of herself better. She's understands her genetics better. She often is feels healthier, stronger, calmer, um, and more ready for that IVF journey as right. opposed to just sort of like falling into it. Um, and right. either of those is a great outcome as far as I'm concerned. So, I mean, that is incredible. And that is information that I wish more women knew, including myself. I've miscarried a few times, but, you know, obviously the first time I miscarried, I was like, wow, this is like, am I the only one? And then obviously, as I looked further into, you just realized that so many women miscarry and it's just quite a common thing. So the second and third time that I miscarried, I just assumed that it's part of it, right? It's just part of the cycle to getting pregnant, to having a kid just because it is so common. But what frustrated me during that time was there was no addressable, there, there was nothing was really addressed. Like, why is this happening? What what can I do to fix it? It almost felt like it is what it is. And this is what women have to go through. So is this something that a lot of clients come to you for as well? Like I miscarried so many times, like I don't know what's wrong with my body. Is this something that you could help them with as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, we have, I have another patient who came to me after having three miscarriages and she was just just as you can imagine, so distraught, so exhausted. And listen, like you said, miscarriage is super common. It's super normal. We don't talk about it a lot. We've stigmatized it. And you know, it's extremely frequent. I've seen statistics that upwards of 20% of known pregnancies miscarry, right? And it's hard to even have good data on that because we don't report it. We don't talk about it. A lot of times people right. don't know, you know what I mean? And so that that stat is even sort of like, you know, a guess basically. Um, but, you know, I had a patient come to me and and she felt like, you know, what's going on here? And she was prepared to, you know, un- go to fertility services, but she was also like, I just want to understand my body more. And I'm also feeling like crap at this point, um, emotionally, physically, Um, her hormones having been all over the place going through those miscarriages. And so I said the same thing to her. I need you to just take a beat and stop trying to get pregnant. I need you to, she was like living this fast paced lifestyle in New York city. Um, You know, lots of, lots of hard work, lots of late nights, lots of maybe too much wine um, and not, you know, eating, frankly, not so great. Eating a super high sugar, high, carb inflammatory diet. She had some food sensitivities. She had a thyroid issue. She had like low-grade hypothyroidism, which we supported with medication. She had some inflammation from being allergic to some of the food she was eating because of all the sugar. She wasn't sleeping. And if your body's not sleeping well, then your rest of your hormones are not doing so great either. And so we just sort of got her on a path to healing her body and supporting some things that were off. Um, she also had genetics called MTHFR. She had a variant. So she was taking just a lot of the GYNs, I think, meanwhile, but they're sort of like, here's this prenatal that someone left in my office or go buy the thing at the grocery store. And um, I mean, when I was pregnant the first time and I was going up to fancy hospital in New York City to see my fancy pants, you know, OB, because I'm a doctor and I trained in New York. So I was going to like go see this OB. And she was like, oh yeah, whatever, prenatal. And I was like, oh no, I have these genetics. So I need to take a high quality methylated um, B vitamin prenatal. And I also need to take this, this, and this. And these ones that you're recommending me have dyes and fake sugars and fake ingredients in them. And she was kind of like, huh? So there's a lot of just like misinformation, even from the 
I love it. People always tell me, I'm seeing the best doctor. I'm seeing the best, you know, OB and then, or the best whatever. And I'm like, just because they're at a big fancy institution or they're expensive doesn't mean they're the best, right? And they might have a really great clinical background. I've digressed a bit, I realize, but they don't always know some of this stuff, which is more cutting edge. And so back to my patient, right prenatal, de-stressing, sleeping well, cutting out the alcohol, lowering the inflammation, supporting the thyroid, healthy baby girl on her own. And um, in her like late 30s, right? So not, you know, with with age maybe okay, but not on her side. And so that was a hugely amazing outcome. That's incredible. So let's say that someone's interested in getting better or, you know, fixing their problem. Where do they start with parsley? Like, I just want the the listeners here um, because I would imagine a lot of people have experienced somewhat of, you know, having troubles of getting pregnant or miscarried. What, I mean, they can't physically see you. So what can they do to actually get the supplements and what do you recommend at this point? Yeah. Um, well, we're nationwide online. So you can see our doctors and health coaches um, through telemedicine. We're everywhere. We have members in over 45 states today. Um, and we work with you. We can order tests anywhere. We can prescribe medications anywhere. We can send you supplements or give you a nutrition protocol anywhere. So um, you don't need to see us physically in person. And in fact, today, most people don't. And when you think about just for anybody, if you're you know, not ready to sign up for Parsley or you're thinking about your own journey or you want to kind of just take some steps on your own, there's a ton you can do. And first of all, it sounds really basic, but look at your sleep. If you are high stress, up all night, not sleeping well, that's going to affect your hormones. Uh, the next thing is look at what you're eating. If you are eating a high sugar, high packaged food, refined carbohydrate diet, as most Americans are, it's called the SAD, standard American diet, SAD. <laughs> Uh, you are, and listen, there's people who are super into health and wellness who are eating way too much sugar and packaged foods, right? All those bars and drinks and green juices off the shelf are like jam packed with sugar. So you have no idea how many kind of wellness guru, you know, wellness warriors have come to see us at Parsley being like, I already do everything perfectly. And you're like, actually you're, eating a ton of sugar every day. Um, and it's not to fault you, but you didn't know, right? Because there's a lot of green, what I call greenwashing out there, sort of yeah. labeling stuff to be healthy that isn't. Can you give us an example? I mean, I, I would personally like to know, are there specific examples that pe- a lot of people might think is healthy, but is actually not that I should be wary of as well as everyone else? Yeah. Number one, juices. Juices are not healthy. They're mostly just an insulin spike because you have no protein, fat, or fiber in them to slow down the sugar response. And even if they're all quote unquote green, one of those like chains that's like relatively healthy has a green juice on the shelf that has 28 grams of sugar in the bottle. And you're supposed to have max like 20 in an entire day. And that's like as much as a soda. I mean, it's bad. There's a lot of bars out there, like the health bars. And a lot of them just have 25 grams of sugar in a bar. And, you know, it's sort of like this pre-processed, pre-digested food, right? Like when you're eating food that you're chewing the vegetables and you're chewing the nuts and seeds and you're eating the healthy fats from your, you know, fish and your walnuts and so forth, like that's just going to have a different reaction in your body. So eating whole foods um, as much as possible. And I know that that's a luxury for some people. Unfortunately, we've created a food system where 
cheap toxic calories, uh, you know, toxic um, high sugar calories are cheap and healthy foods are more expensive in some cases. But I'll see people like buying a lot of these foods and thinking that they're healthy or like thinking that they're somehow saving money and they're spending a lot of money on these sort of fake fresh. How about the fresh pressed juices? Like the ones that... Doesn't matter. Really? Yep. Oh, wow. I was definitely one of those, like, let me just drink my juice and I'll be healthy for the day. That is good to know. You just gave yourself an insulin spike because even if there's... Even if there's... Even if it's pure green juice, there are natural sugars in that. And I would rather see you eat those vegetables straight up with the fiber, but because in the juice, you've taken out all the fiber, you're just getting the natural sugars. And if you don't have anything else in that food, but the sugars, you're going to spike your insulin. Got it. So is it true that you can eat for fertility? Yes. How so? You can eat for fertility by balancing your blood sugar, by all the things I just said, lots of fiber, fat, healthy healthy fats, um, healthy sources of protein, real whole foods. If you balance your blood sugar, again, PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, number one cause after age of impaired fertility is largely a meta- metabolic issue. That means it's largely an issue of eating too many carbs and sugar. Um, so you can really go to what we call at Parsley a plant-based paleo eating strategy, which is not to say that you have to be 100% plant-based. It can include you know, eggs and healthy sources of fish and animal protein that are well-sourced, um, but really low in sugar, cutting out refined carbs, cookies, cakes, pastas, crackers, breads, all the things that come in a bag. That's like is the that- number one thing. Is that your 30-day elimination diet that you have for women? Because I I read about that as well. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, what that looks like? Yeah. Um, I, you learn so much when you run the experiment of your what you're eating. And I always say, try 30 days of cutting out a couple of things and see how you feel. You No test can show you how you feel making these changes. And some people are like, ah, cheese is my lifeline. And I'm like, well, if cheese is your lifeline, we have other problems. So if you can't go 30 days without cheese, then well... Let's discuss some other things. Um, you know, listen, these foods aren't going anywhere. I always remind people they're 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 everywhere. They're coming back. Um, but we really like people to cut out uh, wheat and all gluten because it's a common allergen for a lot of people. We like to be able to cut out dairy, and we like people to cut out refined sugar, refined carbs, and sugar. Um, and if you cut those three things out for thirty days and then reintroduce them one at a time. So a lot of people then like go have a pizza on day 31. And then we're like, we don't know which thing made you feel bad. The gluten, the cheese, the sugar, like I have no idea. (laughs) All of the Um, above. (laughs) All of the above. Um, So, you know, reintroducing them properly, which our coaches can help you with, but is actually not that hard. Just reintroducing one and giving it a week and having it a couple of times and then taking it out again and then reintroducing the other one. But, um, you know, you can learn so much about your body and you would be so surprised how good you can feel. A stricter version of that is the Whole30. Um, We like Mm -hmm. to have sort of a a more basic version of that because I think, I love the Whole30, by the way. I think it's awesome. Um, It's Mm. a lot for people to do sometimes. Um, It's a little bit stricter. It cuts out a lot more things. So just starting with gluten, dairy, and refined sugar can be really powerful. And if you're listening to this and you're like, oh my God, hell no, like... That's a lot. 
pick one of those three things and cut it out for a month. And you might be really surprised to see the differences that you notice in your body and in your mood and your sleep and everything. Absolutely. Um, Let's talk about postpartum anxiety and depression. It seems like it's, again, so normal and common for women. Like after you give birth, you're just feeling, I mean, first of all, you're just exhausted because lack of sleep and, you know, you're trying to adjust to this new life of yours and this new schedule. But are there any nutrients or specific things that postpartum women should do to not avoid uh, anxiety, but because I know that sometimes it's hard to, but to kind of balance out like all these hormones that are changing and going on in their body. Is there any advice there for um, a lot of our new moms that are listening in? Yeah. You know, it's so common and it's so normal. And I'm glad you're bringing up postpartum anxiety because some people, some women feel really anxious and they're like, well, I'm not depressed. So everything's fine. I'm just really, really anxious and not sleeping. And starting to have sort of swirling thoughts that I'm going to hurt my baby or that everything's going to go wrong. And so just a reminder to everyone out there listening, like that's a postpartum depression can manifest as postpartum anxiety. So to be aware of that and also to be aware of, you know, the classic is that it's within about six weeks of delivery, but I also see it happening at later stages. Um, Weaning can trigger either depression or anxiety. Um, Weaning the summer for me definitely triggered some um, weaning anxiety and because your hormones are shifting. And so there's lots of different points for different people at which this can happen. First thing first, you know, you're still you, right? It's kind of back to the conversation we had at the beginning of this about how we hope that women can be seen as leaders, you know, inclusive of them having children, right? And by the same token, like you're still interested in all the things you were interested in before. You're still social. You're still all these things. And it's a very kind of a lot of women I know work right up until the day they deliver basically. And then it's a pretty big adjustment to go to being home all the time, being with your baby. Women can feel lonely um, and really just disruptive. It can be like almost a dissociative experience. You're like, what just happened to my life? Um, And so I think that first of all, just talking to your friends, talking to your family, seeing your friends, right? If it's possible, I know it's harder right now, but seeing people, And once you feel able to going outside and getting out and about, I know so many women who are like scared to take their baby outside and it's actually so good for them to feel like real air, not like recirculated AC air, like, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, for them to feel the, the natural rhythms of the planet and the light, right? Like that's good to take your baby outside, right? So there's a lot of, I think, paralysis. And then there's also keep taking your prenatal. Um, those B vitamins and other things can really help boost your mood and support you. So a lot of women sort of have baby and forget um, and they're not supporting their own nutrition. And then women are breastfeeding, they're tired and they're hungry. And so oftentimes they're eating, you know, not so great. And I'm a big fan of like keeping as many healthy snacks on hand as you can so you don't feel deprived, but that you're not just reaching for like, sugar and crappy foods because those make you feel worse. What are some healthy snacks that you recommend? Oh my gosh. Um, Big fan of nuts and seeds. Big fan of, I'm a huge popcorn fan. Like if you need that sweet, that salty, crunchy thing that I'm addicted to, like popcorn. Oh yeah. Organic popcorn is a good one. Oh, I love popcorn. I mean, I guess... (laughs) <laughs> I, I should take this advice to a certain extent because I could eat popcorn like all day in one sitting. Yeah, um, <laughs> but I guess there are there are good healthy options out there versus like 
grabbing chocolate, which I also love. Yeah. Um, There's also cooking up like one of my big recommendations because moms will say, well, I'm breastfeeding and so I need the carbs. And I'm like, great, make yourself a big pot of quinoa or rice or something that's like really satiating and just make sure that you're adding roasted veggies to it and lots and lots of olive oil or ghee so that there's healthy fat with that starch. And then, and then salt, you know, sea salt and make it really yummy and make a big batch of it. So that way, like when you're craving and you're just starving in that like hangry, starving, breastfeeding moment that we've all experienced, have this like really warm, nourishing, delicious thing like on hand that makes you feel good, but that isn't just like processed food, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So if there's one advice, and this is kind of uh, coming towards the end of our session, but if there's one advice that you can give parents, especially mothers during these really stressful times, what would that be? (laughs) Everything you're experiencing is normal. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with you. Um, Of course, if you're feeling sick, I say that as a doctor, I'm like, do reach out, do get help. Um, But, you know, this is a really high pressure moment for parents and we want to take care of our kids. We want to stay healthy. We need to take care of ourselves and there's nothing wrong with you for feeling stressed, for feeling anxious, for feeling overwhelmed. Um, take a beat when you have those moments and just make sure you're taking moments and an hour at least out for yourself every day, which I know can feel like hard to come by between work and kids. But even if it's just at night, right? Are you zoning out with TV or scrolling the gram, which are things I do some nights and like, I don't feel good, right? I don't feel mm-hmm. better. And see if you can meditate, see if you can do an online workout. There's a lot of free things you can do. See if you can just have a conversation with your partner about how you're feeling. It can be harder, I find, for myself and for my patients to sort of do those things as opposed to just like the zone out. It can be hard to sort of sit with it because those things sort of force you to kind of be with your emotions a little bit. But if you can be with your emotions a little bit, you'll actually find that you start processing them a lot better. I love that. I think we all need that. I do at least. Um, (laughs) Me too, by the way. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So to end it, I I have some rapid fire questions. So whatever comes first to mind, if you could just spit them out, that would be great. So one product you cannot live without. One is Brightland um, olive oil. It's like this super delicious, super healthy, pure olive oil. And I love it. And transparently, my Dyson uh, hair dryer. Because <laughs> it saves my butt every single day. And hair, hair dryer. I love yep. it. It's a good yep. combination. <laughs> okay. The worst thing about parenting? Fighting with your kids and then feeling bad about it. <laughs> the guilt the guilt yeah the best thing about parenting the love the love with these wonderful little humans who are part of you and who you are so lucky to get to be with in the world is there a quote or motto that you always live by don't let perfect be the enemy of really good i love that well thank you so much robin for this incredible conversation i really just felt like I I learned so much from you about infertility and miscarriages. I'm sure that a lot of parents listening to this is going to find this inspiring. So thank you so much for your time. So where can people find you and Parsley if they want to learn more? 
We are at parsleyhealth.com and you can follow us on all the places uh, at Parsley Health. Um, and I'm uh, at Robin Burson MD on Instagram, which is the only social channel I managed to sort of keep up with. Uh, and yeah, we have a great, Parsley is an amazing newsletter with tons of free guides and information. We just published a hormone guide. We just published a couple of weeks ago, an amazing autoimmune guide. But we have a lot of awesome free information, which gives you all the details of lots of things I talked about today that can help you start making some basic changes in your own life to see how you can feel better. Thank you so, so much. I will definitely sign up for the newsletter because I want those guys and we'll talk soon again. Talk soon. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. If you liked it, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe. It really is the best way to support the show. Also, if you want to see more of us, head over to our Instagram and follow us there at Bumo Parent. And to learn more about Bumo Brain Virtual School, follow us at Bumo Brain or head over to BumoBrain.com. Thank you guys so much for listening and I'll see you guys next week.